to the Connect to Marriage podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Are you both compatible? That may have been one of the top questions in your mind when sparks first flew between your spouse and you. But what does being compatible really look like in marriage? Hello and welcome to Connect to Marriage podcast. I'm Gary and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode for the Connect2 podcast, we'll be tackling questions that couples ask about marriage, communication, conflict, and so much more. We hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us as you grow closer, deeper, and stronger in your marriage. Today, we're starting a new series to bust marriage myths. Our first topic is compatibility equals no conflict. What does it really mean to be compatible? Most people see it as being able to get along well because of similar outlook of values in life. But then once they get married, they realize one of the challenges that we often hear is they feel so incompatible with one another. And today we have Sherman and Evangeline Ng joining us and sharing their experiences. Welcome both of you. Could you share a little bit about your own background? Thanks, Gary. And I'll have my wife start first. Ladies first. Thanks for having me and my husband Sherman on the podcast. I am a lawyer by training and I currently work as an in-house counsel with a international bank. I describe myself as an odd job labourer uh, in some ways because I run a couple of businesses in very diverse fields, one in media and entertainment, uh, the other I'm a defence contractor for our military. So I buy technology and I integrate technology for our military basically. Well, wow. so hearing both of you, you all both come from different backgrounds already and how did y'all both meet and what were some of the challenges both have coming from different backgrounds? I mean, just hearing from the two of you. There's a long version and there's a short version. Uh, I'll give the short one and we can explore any interest areas that you like. Uh, the, the, we come from not just very diverse and different backgrounds, we actually come from also very different social status. And that creates just uh, quite, I guess, different worlds that we put together in marriage, right? We met through church groups, but through various church groups, young people. And we didn't like each other because she thought I was very arrogant and proud at that time. And she was 100% correct about that. And I thought she was really cold and unapproachable, which I'm also 100% right about that. <laughs> but I went through a journey of uh, massive transformation, un- unlearning and undoing a lot of things in my life that were a consequence of not ideal upbringing. And I was very grateful for that journey. And I believe my wife will share her part where she saw that transformation we subsequently gave her confidence that I was worthy of her consideration. <laughs> <laughs> like my husband's rightly put it, when we first met, he came across to me as someone quite proud. And so I kind of was put off by it. But in any event, we kind of hung out in common social circles. And when we kind of reconnected again, it was a time where I think God was doing something in his life in a very positive way and was molding his character. And he was a very humble person when we reconnected. Uh, we became really good friends and we could really kind of bounce ideas off each other and we could really relate on a spiritual frequency being very similar. And I think that was what got the friendship going. I guess subsequently, whether we kind of took it to a different level was something that we both prayed about and we got a positive indication through a certain sign that asked from God. Um, and that sign was actually a double rainbow that appeared on a particular day. As a lawyer, you know, you are very precise in what you ask for. And I had to make those precise requests of God. And God honoured that request and I had that sign appear. So I think that was how we, I had the confidence to say, okay, let's take it to a different level, right? This friendship, we can explore taking it to the next stage. And that's how we kind of got together eventually. Sherman was kind of starting out in the media industry at that time. 
And to be honest, I would say that he's probably a forerunner in the industry for purposes of what he's doing, bringing in values-based content, starting something very different from just what the usual cinemas do. I also knew that because he was a forerunner in this industry, there would have been a lot of ups and downs. Therefore, making sure that I was anchored in that decision was very important. It was equally important in that sense, so that if in the future there were challenges, I wouldn't never have to second-guess my decision in you know, marrying Sherman. I mm. knew that God was going to bring us through. Yeah, and it has been actually a great ride so far, having gotten married almost now four years ago. Fantastic. You all mentioned that you all started out as good friends. I yeah. mean, didn't like each other, then somehow reconnected, became good friends. When you became good friends, maybe was there some compatibility? And then when you got married, you realised, hey, actually, we have a lot more issues or differences that we didn't think we had before and after getting married. Yeah, so actually, before we got married, we found, I mean, obviously there was a lot of, we were really in sync on spiritual matters and actually, I think personality-wise, we knew that we were very different people. So I probably consider myself an introvert as a start. I take a little warmer to warm up to bigger groups of people, and but when I do, it's fine. And in my line of work and people, I do have to meet people that I'm not close to every day and, and I have to have conversations with people as well. But I think for Sherman, he's usually like very, very at home with like anyone in the room. And he, when he walks in the room, he can just talk to anyone in the room sort of person. So he, I, I would consider him more of an extrovert, although he thinks that he's quite introvert at times, so I'm not sure, but no, we're very different. Like to, like to tell them they're <laughs> introvert, but actually they're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but after we got married, actually those uh, personality differences and also our strengths and weaknesses were even more highlighted or amplified, right? And we realised that actually God's the best matchmaker because a lot of his strengths and my weaknesses or vice versa were very complementary. You know, while our personalities do not need to be identical to be compatible, actually, you know, the fact that we're diametrically very opposite in what we're good at actually makes it very complementary in nature, mm. if I may say. So that, you know, when you put two of us together, it becomes a whole. Yeah, I, I know we say that we have to be two whole persons before we get married and not half of a person. But in itself, when you have two very different, you know, very different personalities or different strengths and weaknesses coming together and they complement each other, actually that becomes a perfect whole in some ways. Mm. In our marriage, we find that there are a lot of instances where I make up for the things that he's not really good at and vice versa. And that actually helps us to, to do a lot of things. Thank you. Yeah, if I, I could add to that, my wife was talking about how we reconnected, became friends, and we were thinking about whether we take it further. One of the critical information in that piece was that she was then posted to London for one year. So we had kind of this semi-LDR, long-distance relationship, semi-time you know, time apart one year, which was really, really beneficial for the relationship because we could really think about things without the physical proximity. And I look at it also subsequently understanding, to me, intimacy, broadly speaking, has got three levels spiritual, emotional, and physical. And I would say that we're intimate on all three fronts, but we're most intimate spiritually, and then we're next most intimate emotionally, and then lastly, we're next most intimate physically. And if I look at it that way, it was really powerful because anything happened along the way, whether it's a different point of view, it falls back to these three things. Actually, we're very aligned spiritually and then emotionally. We often hear that when you're compatible, you know, that are coming back to our topic, people think that we don't argue when you're compatible because you're like, wow, hand in hand. But the reality is, we will always argue <laughs> until the day we die because we are different. How would you encourage people listening in today some tools that they can remember when they are going through that journey when they think compatible but we're having this argument and this conflict? How do we actually deal with such things? Well, so some people call an argument discussion. So, you know, it depends on <laughs> which side of the table you sit oh, on. Oh, I discuss with my wife very often. 
<laughs> you know, and uh, it's also personality types, right? I think I, I'm very, very blessed because my wife, I, I think we don't even recall when we argue. We barely argue, really. But it's also predicated on the fact that we actually communicate a lot. If I may, it's kind of like going upstream. Like before I even get to an argument, we kind of solve as much as we can, such that when it comes to disagreement, then we know what the rules of engagement are. And I thought that rules of engagement are very important in any relationship, whether you define it as a platonic relationship, intimate, all that stuff. I think how you resolve issues, what rules you abide by helps a lot. And having a biblical foundation, you know, both of us loving God uh, in our own individual way, we helps us to pick the battles and some things is just not worth fighting for. But then there are things that of course very much we give our life for. So I think going upstream, talking about a lot of issues before they even happen and when those issues happen, we're prepared. Yeah, I think just to piggyback on, on what Sherman just said, I think one of the things that I realised after we got married is that I am probably more of an inward processor and then it comes out later. So I would have done quite a bit of thinking in, inside me and then I might then be unhappy and then like, oh, why, why, why is it like this, right? Assuming that he would have processed all of that, although that happened between my two years, right? But whereas I think Sherman, he's quite an outward processor and he's also very expressive. So whether or not he's happy or sad about something, you would know about it. So I think because of that, I think just having the background as to how we both kind of process certain things and, and you know, how we process our feelings about things also helps. And because of that, I think we're able to kind of preempt, right, certain well, discussions, arguments, whatever you call it. I do appreciate that, you know, in, in our marriage, Sherman's actually very expressive, uh, as I already mentioned. So he tends to communicate and in some cases over-communicate. And I think that's something that's actually missing in, in marriages that I realise whether they're strained or they break down because there's a complete either lack of communication or one party is assuming or expecting certain things. Um, but the other is like, I don't know that, right? So I, I think that a lot of that can be resolved or can be preempted if someone or at least one person or both, tries to kind of do that communication and over-communicate sometimes. You can never over-communicate your love for someone. Mm. Yeah, it's never enough, right? So why not, right? And I think in this respect, maybe in the Asian context, I find that maybe the, the men in Singapore tend to be a bit more reserved in how they communicate. And I'm not trying to stereotype here, but from the feedback I do receive from friends and, and people at large, it's true that sometimes men find it hard to kind of make that communication expression of love. And... I do think that maybe that's something that can help. And I'm not saying it's only the men's issue, but I think the women exactly can also help the men to draw out from that, whether it's a shell or something that they don't do by being affirming in the right approach, affirm them the right uh, way forward in that sense. And instead of coming out and saying, why do you not do this? Or why do you not do that? I think that's very discouraging for the men as well. Absolutely. <laughs> in my counselling work, it is great. it's true. I agree with you. More often than not, the wives will complain that the husband's not communicating very much. It's not that the guys don't want to talk, it's just that somehow our vocab count could be a little, it's a little less in description of emotions rather than just I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm glad, you know, different shades of emotion are important. But what you mentioned that you need to help to draw the emotions out for your partner if they are not very communicative. At the same time, not having your partner feel like, why are you nagging me or trying to control my life? I think that's a, that balance there. But you also mentioned, uh, Sherman, you're more an extrovert and you like to over-communicate. But eventually you mentioned that you tend to internalize a little more. How did it work in the beginning? I'm sure because you want to keep talking about it, let's deal with it. And then you want to just think about it. How did you all overcome uh, that if that was ever a difference or a challenge for you? A lifetime of love and romance requires intentional effort and attention. 
Yet, in times of busyness and with overwhelming priorities to tend to, our marriages can often take a back seat. No matter the state of your relationship today, we want to help you and your spouse thrive. Check out Connect2, featuring specially curated experiences and resources, our favourite selection of articles, top hits on our podcast, date ideas, conversation starters and more to address the issues that are keeping you and your spouse apart and help you rekindle the joy of pursuing one another. Visit www.family.org.sg connect2 today. Yeah, well, actually not much of a challenge there simply because when I over-communicate, it's often not about processes. So I look at it this way. I look at, you know, Singapore has a very high savings rate and I'm Singaporean, so I like to save. And to me, when I communicate or affirm my wife, uh, or do something for her, I take it as my savings account goes up, you know. And so if anything happens, there's always something, a rainy day, you know, there's always some reserves at that point. It's got brownie points. It's got brownie points, you're right. Many years ago, a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he said to me, Shimon, this marriage, uh, being a good husband is about being a good leader. It took me 10 years to understand that. And I think one basic skill a leader needs to have is actually communication. I'm sure some there are more introverted leaders as well, but some introverted leaders communicate very well through writing. Is still communicating. I've learned from that point that being a leader, communicating is very important and therefore being a good husband equals being a good leader equals being a good communicator. I try to cover the bases and leave no ambiguity as far as it goes. And I found a joy around it. When my wife was, that time not my wife, she was in London, I, I, I would send her a text every day. When she wake up every day, she gets something fresh. So I would communicate my commitment to her even though she was apart from me. Every morning today, when she wakes up, her water bottle's filled, her essence of chicken is ready, and all that stuff. I just do it every day, right? So it's my way, silent communication, the actions, right? Depends on your love language. But I, I think that sets the bedrock for, and the foundation for any conflict that might arise. And then you always fall back on the fact that your wife will always know he made a mistake, but it doesn't mean he's gone a little crazy because he's doing all this for you every It takes something for someone to do it for you every day. So that's kind of what we do. When we do disagree, which is the question, then we really talk it out and we agree that, okay, there's a limit to how much I can give or change or, or adjust. I mean, we're not 14 years old anymore, right? We make that space for each other. So I think sometimes space is important for each other also. Not to say that you're really too far away, but that little comfortable place to maneuver. Yeah, and that's how I look at it sometimes. It's so interesting because when we first got married, we would have conversations before we, we fall asleep. And actually, I realized that 80% of the conversation was him talking to me. <laughs> and usually, it's the other way around because the wife is like, you know, entirely from the moment she wakes up to the, the last point before she goes to sleep. But Sherman's the one that, that's yakking all the way. And I was like, well, this is very interesting because it's like, he's the wife and I'm the guy in <laughs> marriage. I, I think it evolved because he also found ways means to kind of draw that conversation out of me. Like you said, there are shades of being sad, happy, glad, and he was able to kind of do that and he always makes it a point to connect. So I think being very intentional uh, is very important actually. And where we do disagree, I think we get a point to actually constructively talk through, okay, what are the pros and the cons and what are the issues that actually really bother each of us? And we kind of put it there. If we can't reach a decision, we kind of sleep over it. And not to say that we're arguing over something, but maybe trying to make a decision. And we pray about it. And when we know that we have a peace about it, then we move in the same direction. But we 
more often than not, do not make a decision in a hurry or when we're in dispute with one another. I think that's kind of very dangerous. As a rule of thumb, we try not to also go to sleep having fought. We try and make up for that. But like Sherman said, we hardly fight. We disagree on issues, but we never ever fight, so to speak. Yeah. Barely, actually. I don't even recall. Yeah, we never really fight. Yay! Yay. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> we're grateful, right? Yeah, we're very thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing your hearts and even your own experiences. I think listeners just tuning in will benefit greatly from just remembering that it, we need to be intentional uh, in this journey and we can't just leave it to a chance or expect things to happen but they don't quite happen. Uh, be intentional communicate I hear that word mentioned a lot of times communicate and over communicate it's better than not communicating at all and that will be the, our next podcast recording on how not to jump to assumptions we're so glad to have you to share also on that topic each podcast we address a frequently asked question that couples ask about marriage and today's question is my idea of a good time is to sit in a cafe with a book but my husband's idea differs greatly he'd rather be with a big group of friends and I'm finding it hard to accommodate his preferences all the time. How do I share my feelings with him? I think it depends on how uh, the person receives it. But it sounds like in this case, the husband is quite a, a jovial person who is very extroverted, likes to kind of hang around with a large group of friends and probably likes that crowd. I think you can always say, hey, you know, um, it's it's been great, you know, to kind of also hang out and get to know your friends. Can we also try something else that I would like to and that I enjoy maybe? And say, you know, we could also have a variety of activities that we do together as a couple. Uh, for example, how about kind of joining me at a cafe to read a book? Now, obviously, the couple is not into reading a book. You could say, okay, then maybe I could read a book and while you kind of meet your friends and can always meet up after that or something like that. Or if maybe the guy is into doing something else, arrange for the friends to kind of come to the cafe and join him, have a coffee while you read a book. So, I mean, there are various kind of permutations around that. But I think that has to be a give and take, right? Because we're all very different people and we all enjoy very different things. So like, for example, in my case, I love hiking the outdoors, especially if I'm overseas. Uh, that's something that Sherman never really used to do. Uh, but after we got married, he made it a point and actually now he really enjoys it. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do, I do. I'm looking for new things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if I could add to that, um, you know, I think every couple is so different, right? So I think it's okay to experiment. I feel like sometimes when we try something with each other and it doesn't work and then we give up. So let's say, you know, we try what my wife suggested, various things, you get your friends together, you make common friends and stuff like that, but it doesn't work. I think it's experimenting. And each time you experiment, you talk about it, you communicate what, what, what didn't work, and then you find that space. So like my wife mentioned about hiking and all that, we've also learned, we do have quite varied interests. And sometimes keeping an open mind actually to explore is very helpful. I never knew hiking was this fun until she dragged me along. And I found the joy in it. I mean, I started because I love her and I do it, but then I don't do it for the sake, I drag my feet to do it. I do it with an inquisitive mind. And I'm trying to understand what about this makes her so excited, you know? What about this makes her come to life, right? And not all the things that she does, I am equally intrigued, but at least I would have explored it and I can decide for myself, okay, we have to find that space that we can coexist mm -hmm. and live together. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so... We see you on the outdoors quite often then? In yes. Singapore or overseas or... I think in Singapore, both. try to, but given, you know, so many different commitments locally, it might be hard to do it, but we do. Uh, a lot of times overseas, that's one of our things on the agenda. Okay, very our, good. Our honeymoon, <laughs> we, did, uh, we did a hike, we did uh, Atacama and Chile, we did uh, Peru. Uh, we were hiking in South hiking America. South America, 20 kilometer days, you know, uh, it was oh, really fun. For your honeymoon, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah so okay. we did for honeymoon. Apparently, that was our idea of fun. <laughs> <laughs> very good, because... 
I mean, if it's especially something new, even if you don't like it, but the fact that you're both willing to try, give and take, and to improve in um, the areas that you've never tried before for the sake of the relationship. Thank you very much. Well, if you're listening in to this with your spouse, take the extra five minutes at the end of this episode to share with each other how you feel about the ability to communicate. Have you ever thought about what compatibility means? Does it really mean no conflict? Or how would you handle the conflict um, based on your own background, your own family of origin? And how does it influence you in your conflict management? We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be diving into marriage myths I shouldn't have to ask. So do tune in to hear more from Sherman and Evangeline in the next podcast. To find out more marriage content, do visit our website at family.org.sg slash connect to. We hope you have followed and subscribed to the Connect to podcast or share it with a friend who can also benefit from it. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, take care of yourself and your spouse.